welcome back to another episode of Hive Burst. I'm your host again, Jerry Denasian, giving you the clear feed of everything that's going on on the ground with the Charlotte Hornets. Except this time, I have a guest. Just like I promised I would try to have as many as possible on the show, I have a good friend of mine, a good old friend of mine, Ashton Hunter. You could just dive into what it is you do a little bit and why exactly I have you on the podcast to begin with. Yeah, so uh, my name is Ashton. Uh, I'm in the uh, radiation oncology field, so really, you know, just dealing with treating cancer patients with radiation. Um, born and raised in the Charlotte area, almost 25, so I've been here just 25 years, pretty much. So. And that's yeah. exactly why he's here, people. Just having an insight of somebody that's watched Charlotte sports teams, in particular the Hornets, just grow from pretty much, you know, from when they were the Hornets once upon a time in the 90s to when they changed the name to the god-awful Bobcats for whatever reason, and now we're back to being the Charlotte Hornets again, but now the team's actually looking competitive. LaMelo Ball okay. actually looks good. Miles Bridges, everybody on the team in general looks like they're meshing well this year. So having a fan of the game per se, just going through it sounds like it would just be a great idea for my first guest before we actually get to players and stuff like that. But we're just going to dive right into things here for the show purposes. So first topic of discussion, how is the vibe around the city, especially since you work in the Charlotte area? How does it feel just like on game days or whenever you're heading back from work, just seeing the the influx of traffic and everybody just in the city probably lighting up at bars? I know when I go out and stuff, everybody seems just ecstatic to just be, you know, the Hornets are good. The Hornets are back. So how does that feel for yeah. you, like just being in the yeah. area? Yeah, I think I think it's just a great atmosphere it's in Charlotte right now. Um, You know, the Hornets for the longest time, they were like you just mentioned, they were Bobcats. They weren't looking too good at all. But. You know, like the culture here is just feeling a lot better. You know, it's like there's something to be excited to watch. You know, just going out to actually see players compete, which is really exciting. Right. See, I think, I think honestly, like it kind of sucks because I can't be at bars and stuff like that sometimes whenever the games are going on because I have to just cover the game in general. So I'm probably going to be either in the arena or covering it from home via Zoom and stuff like that. So I wish I could feel that atmosphere on a daily basis, but. Just going out now, like if I go out with my girlfriend and we see we see a bar where I sitting at a bar and there's like a classic game or a game from a couple of days ago that's being played. Everybody's just tuned in still to an older game. Win or lose, the team's just very, very exciting to watch from the, all the highlights that we see like on on Instagram or YouTube or whatever it is of like, you know, the Hornets young star. And that's that's where we're going to piggyback off of right now, since this is LaMelo Ball's year two. Um, obviously. Rookie of the year last year, broke a couple records for youngest player in franchise history to do X, Y, and Z. Seemed like every everything was being shattered by Lamelo. So, where, what do you think about his development and how it's gone so far for him in year two? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he he was pretty good his rookie year. I mean, run one rookie of the year, obviously, but um, his improvement since last year is just like actually amazing to see. Um, you know, it's just great to have that star in charlotte you know that's what's really exciting about it all and the fact that he's out here playing at a high level is really interesting right the whole team better you know yeah that's that's definitely something i want to touch on too because i got the stats here with me like his first season he was only averaging roughly around 15.7 points on just over six assists and just under six rebounds in year one and for for a first year player that's like you know that's amazing like i think of of LeBron in his first season, he averaged right around 20 points and then six and six, like 
of course, like he's off by the points a little bit, but everything else is, you know, flat out right even with with the king, one of the exactly. probably the greatest player of all time. And uh, looking at his stats now for this year, he's averaging just under 20 points a game, 7.7 assists and just over eight rebounds a game. So it's like year two. Triple, double threat. Hey, exactly. Like he already seems like he's exactly. he's on the right path to actually be a legit like, you know, all-star in this league. I'm not going to go the Hall of Fame route quite yet. He's still still oh, yeah. very early on, but he's definitely definitely looks a lot better. Like, what what do you think were some of the keys to his like improvement? Ooh, uh, I mean, probably honestly, the most basic thing is hard work. I mean, to perform in a high level your rookie year, you can't just let everyone down and have that sophomore slump. You got to continue that play, you know, practice, you know, perfect your craft. And it looks like that's what he's been doing. Exactly. I mean, that's that's kind of how I feel about about the whole uh, process, too, that we've seen Charlotte go through when it comes down to, to, you know, the NBA draft. Obviously, they they've had a lot more notable misses than they have actual like makes. And, you know, we think back to to 2011, whenever Kemba came in, that, that was like, OK, we knew that. Kid, kids a bucket you know he's like he was gonna go out and get his and score the basketball at a very high level and he did that for charlotte yeah. for numerous amounts of seasons until man they i can't win here it, it just exactly caved out but now That's the biggest thing yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and now you actually bring in a floor general like kemba is a point guard and he's a pretty damn good one an all-star point guard for us in charlotte but now you bring in an actual floor general somebody that can actually see the floor and are in my opinion already passes better than a guy like Kimball Walker and a lot of a lot of veteran point guards like it's it's kind of <laughs> kind of crazy to think about because the man's not even old enough to drink it. <laughs> yeah he's 20 right yeah 20 20 like years second, old a third youngest player on the team it's crazy. yeah it's and it, the only people that's like young younger than him is obviously some of the rookies. So yeah. it's just it's just kind of like really special to see someone just come into the league with that kind of flair and ferocity where he looks like he's been in the league for about six, seven years. Definitely. What are you, some and of your honestly, Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, honestly, that, that composure you just kind of spoke on that might have came from him playing overseas uh, on those pro teams, like uh, in Australia, I'm not sure the team name having that experience, you know, as, as opposed to, you know, the classic college route where right. a lot of people wanted him to take, but his father kind of moved him overseas that whole incident with him and Angelo. But uh, honestly, that probably shaping him to being, you know, the player that he is right now, having that composure to compete at a high level against all these pros. Yeah, no, I wholeheartedly agree. All right. And moving on to somebody that's also a pretty young player in the league going in, this is his fourth season right now. And he was making a lot of headlines over the summer because the Hornets actually offered him a $60 million contract extension that he turned down because he just knew I'm going to work hard enough to get this extension. Obviously, you know, where I'm going with this is Miles Bridges. And sure. coming in, Bridges was nothing but but a slasher, you know, just I'm going to go make the highlight play. And he was a pretty he was a pretty sturdy defender. I liked him on defense a lot. So like, but at, at best, I only seen like three and D kind of player. I didn't see this kind of version of Miles Bridges where he looks like. Uh, actual legit threat to be a three level scorer, and actually yeah. a legit a legit guy that could be an all star one day. I didn't think I'd be talking Definitely. about Miles Bridges like that. So, exactly. what? How do you feel about 
you know, same, pretty much the same question for LaMelo, like his development and what it means to the team, especially because right now he's leading the team in scoring. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that can probably be uh, attributed to the fact that LaMelo's his point guard, that floor general. Right. I mean, that definitely can boost guys all around you up. Um, of course, he definitely probably put in that work throughout the offseason, trying to make sure um, he's better for this season. Uh, he came in being just like athletic, crazy as I don't know what, but like you just mentioned, he's he's becoming like a scorer on all levels, and it's just amazing to watch. Maybe most improved, maybe I don't know. Candidate. Yeah, that's that's where I was going next, though. So there's a lot of a lot of potential candidates out there right now. And Miles is probably at the top of the list just because of his his monster t- start to the season. He's already had five 30-point games as well. And it's we're about 19 or so games in. And it's like, damn. That's already more than he's ever had in his any season in his career, his young career so far. But at the also at the top of that list would be a guy like John Morant. But my argument for why it should be Miles over Ja, Ja was the number two pick in his draft behind Zion Williamson. If you do the redraft, he sure. might be number one, but that's a conversation for I'd another put, day. I put him number one. But Ja was drafted to be a superstar kind of player. Like he was yeah, drafted to be right. the same. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all expected. Like Ja, ja Morant was drafted to be the savior of an organization in some senses, just like how LaMelo Ball was drafted to be the savior of, of the Charlotte Hornets. Miles Bridges was drafted just to be a potential franchise cornerstone piece, like a good complimentary guy, you know? And like, that's, that's, that would be my argument for Miles over Ja in the most improved player award. Of course, we know Ja means more to his team. He's the point guard. He's the head of the snake. But Miles Bridges right now is the reason why part a big reason why the Hornets are where they are right now. And they're currently fifth, fifth in the East right now. They're 11 and eight at the time of this recording. So it's safe to say without his production, they might not be sitting too pretty in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, definitely. He's a big part of that success. Big, big part. So like, what do you like, you know, like I touched on earlier before we started the segment, what do you think you'll get paid like in the off season? Cause that's something the Hornets have to address here. Like before the season is actually over. Yeah. So a lot of people may say the Hornets have a history of overpaying players, but I mean, you know, if you're playing like Miles has showing that improvement, uh, depending on what they give them, I mean, of course you don't want to pay him too much, but you know, could overpaying them really even be a thing if he's showing that he's worth the money, you know? Yeah. I mean, no, I, he's only going to keep improving. He's what, 23, maybe? Yeah, 23, 24. 24 yeah. He's in that, in that age span. And that's, you know, I'm right there with you. Like, Charlotte overpaid for for Marvin Williams. Charlotte overpaid, like, Marvin Williams, good, great guy. But one of my first interviews when I touched down, you know, being the, the beat reporter for the Hornets, like, he essentially kind of took me under his wing. I felt like it was like, damn, I can do this job. So I love, I love Marvin, but. Still got a lot of money from the Hornets that they probably shouldn't have paid for. Yeah. Uh, Nick Batum, obviously being a huge, a huge mistake for thinking <laughs> that he could have been a number one. Like he got number one option type of money whenever the Hornets signed him because he had a great season with Portland. Not that guy, pal. Yeah, <laughs> like seriously, though, you know, like it just, yeah, it just he just was he wasn't it for the Hornets to for him to be like. A big number two guy with Kevin Walker, like no, like he played like a role player, and I love Nick Batum. I think he has to, like he he knew his role. But the thing is, if you get offered big time money, 
you're gonna take it. Like you know, why not? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I kind, I'm, I'm right there with you. Though. I think, I think Miles Bridges can can govern a contract north of 120 million dollars. Like, yeah. honestly, and kind of when you look at that, like I just mentioned, um, he's young and he's showing this talent that he has. Now, hopefully, he just keeps improving. Guys like him, Lamelo, pretty much the whole team is um, it's really talented. I think there's what twelve players uh, on the roster that are 25 years or younger. That's, That's ridiculous. It's crazy, and the success they're they're having right now is great. I mean, we're in their fifth right now, but I don't think they're too many games behind. I think Brooklyn the first right now is so not too many games separating them. Mm-hmm. No knocked off top teams in the East and West recently, so they're talented. Yeah. I like it. I like it. It's the worst paying players if you got a talented young core like that. And you got yeah, exactly. The like, did, right? Yep, ex- that's where I was going. Exactly. Like, they right locked down. They locked down their guys early on because they build it through the draft. That's why Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond are probably all going to retire Golden State Warriors at this point. Like we could probably exactly. put got money it. on it and win big in Vegas. But <laughs> be- before we leave off of this topic, uh, just stats for for the people that are listening. Miles Bridges last year only averaged 12 points, under five assists, and five boards a game. This season, he's already up to 20 points, three assists, and 7.4 rebounds a game. And to throw in, he's had, like, a lot of big double-double games, and playmaking is where he's taking, like, his next step as a as a being a more complete player and actual threat in every facet of the game offensively. And he guards the team's best opposing offensive player because he's their best defender. Just – Leaving that out there for people that are on the John Morant train or Desmond Bain also who's who's improving in Memphis as well. But Miles Bridges should be your pick, your guy. <laughs> yeah, he plays with that tenacity. Uh, I mean, a couple games back, I forgot who it was. He got dunked on by somebody. Uh, he had a tweet saying, like, I'm going to jump with him every time. Jalen Brown. Something like, yeah, Jalen Brown. Oh, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I really like that. He plays that tenacity. It's like you don't see that with a lot of players that, you know, yeah, I like it, man. Exactly. All right. Next, next up here that I just want to touch on too, since uh, we kind of dove into it a little bit, just uh, with the vibe of the city and stuff like that. Like being being from like being in the area all the time, like as much as you are. What are like, especially adding this to the mix too, that Cam Newton is back in Carolina as well. Like, how much? Like, how much fun? Is it just to like experience this, like, you know, the nightlife? Uh, just I know nobody loves traffic, but you know where people are going. You know, people want to be at Hornets games and Carolina Panthers games. So, like, is this like an all time high for like Charlotte fans right now? Obviously, the Panthers are in the Super Bowl not even six years ago. So, yeah. we're not talking about February football. We're talking about just good, a pretty good basketball team and the Panthers, you know, pretty solid as well. Like, uh, we're not a football podcast, but Sam Darnold won the guy. But just both both teams in Charlotte actually just being competitive and actually good. Like, how does it feel in the city right now in general? Yeah, I feel like that's something that Charlotte's never had, you know, simultaneously. Like, football team good, basketball team not good, or, you know, vice versa. Um, but like you touched on just briefly, right, that Cam's back. And I feel like a lot of people feel that energy that they felt back when we went to the Super Bowl. I feel like they're remembering that and like oh Kim's back we're getting that that feeling back everyone's happy everyone's having fun watching Kim mm-hmm. and um that goes for the Hornets definitely um not just LaMelo like we just talked about uh Miles Bridges and you got Terry Gordon Hayward you know everybody's 
out there competing. So it's just great to be a competitive uh, sports team now. A lot of people are loving it. Uh, yeah, traffic's traffic's up during those game days <laughs> compared to years past. You can notice exactly. it. But I like it, though. I like it. Yeah, a, a busy city is a is a happy city in yep. in some senses, especially when you when you break it down sports sports layman's terms. You know, like it feels better gotcha, to yeah. be in the environment. Yeah. But uh, pretty much the last segment that I want to wrap it up here, just something fun that I'll probably ask, like you know, every guest moving forward. This team, the this Hornets team, is currently constructed. Like you said, they have twelve guys under twenty five years old, which is ridiculous. That they are the five seed in the West currently right now. At the time of this recording, um, do they have like what it takes to like to be like the best team in franchise history? And obviously, we got to throw it back to to the '90s teams, and particularly the '92 and '93 team that I like with uh, a Hall of Famer and Alonzo Mourning, one of the best shooters of all times. Dad's was also a pretty damn good shooter himself, and Dale Curry. Then you got Grandma Ma, Larry Johnson, Muggsy Bogues, and Kendall Gill, like. What does this team, this current Hornets team, stack up to something like that? Like, do you think they could uh, – they had a limited playoff success. They didn't get out the first round too much, and that core guys that I mentioned didn't stay together. But they were pretty successful. They had some good runs, and people remember them. So what do you think they stack up with, like, a team like that? Yeah, like you just said, um, people remember those players and that team. Those are, like, memorable names. Alonzo Mourning, Muggsy Bogues. I mean, I feel like this team has a lot of players that – I mean, honestly, can eventually live up to having names, you know, that people remember, like Lamelo Ball, Miles Bridges. Uh, like we keep saying, they're young, you know. If they keep improving, keep playing, I mean, I, I feel like it's inevitable that they're going to have success in the playoffs, especially in the East right now. The East looks not wide open, but I mean, it looks a lot more open than you know years past. So maybe it's right. an opportunity for you know, Charlotte Hornets, you know, step in there, you know, share yeah. by what they're about on the That's- national stage. That's kind of how I feel about it, too. Like, uh, those teams are good. Like, you know, like, I, I love Alonzo Morning. And anybody that knows me or for these listeners now, like, I, I love big men. Like, just that that part of the game is so underappreciated. That's why, like, at the golden age of basketball for, you know, people our age, I'm 24, about to be 25 soon. It's just, it's like 2000s, 90s, like, just because there's so, so much dominant big man, like Shaq, Tim Duncan, uh, Carl Malone in the 90s, uh, Sean Kemp, David Robinson, it, it, David Robinson. Like, there's just a lot of big time names that, that Chris Weber that I love to just watch personally. So, like, that's the one thing that this current Hornets team doesn't have that, like, mm. bothers me a little bit. Like, yeah. maybe they maybe they won't be as notable, but in this new NBA, maybe they don't need a guy like that. You know, like, everybody yeah. wants to run and gun and get as many three-pointers up as possible. And this Hornets team, especially since everybody is so young, they like to get out and run and push the ball and transition as every every possession. At the start of every possession, you're seeing LaMelo getting the rebound, and he's throwing a, a 90-yard touchdown pass to whoever's streaking down the court, and hopefully it is Miles Bridges for the big-time play. So maybe it's just not necessary for, you know, for a dominant big man or an imposing shot blocker that yeah. that his team needs to add but gotcha. let's one more segment i want to squeeze in before before we are out of here we got a couple minutes left um what does Lamelo ball need to do to not Lamelo ball michael jordan need to do to make sure Lamelo balls is you know as successful as he could possibly be mj is obviously for everyone that's probably going to listen to this knows 
his stats, 6-0 in the finals, five MVPs or whatever it is, like multiple-time scoring champ, 30.1 scoring average. He knows what it takes to win. So what do you think he needs to do to build around his star? Yeah, um, you kind of just said it. He needs to make sure that there's players around LaMelo to keep the team at a level where they need to be. I feel like when Kimba was here, Kimba, like he, he was an all-star guard, um, but he didn't have really any talent around him. So he, only one player can do so much in the NBA. You need, you need a team to be successful. And um, right. right now, I think uh, this is the best Hornets team throughout Michael Jordan's ownership of this franchise, you know? Oh, yeah. hands down. Yeah, Hell so, yeah. and I think that's in part uh, because, you know, the talent around LaMelo is like a bunch of young guys, talented, hungry, ready to play. Like, he just needs to continue to, you know, provide LaMelo those options to go to so that he can make the team as good as he can. Yeah, like, I'm right there with you pretty much. I think I think one thing I need to see MJ add to this Hornets team, like I touched on it when, when we were just talking about Alonzo just now, is is a shot-blocking big. I think yeah. I think getting a rim runner, getting a guy that can provide that type of presence for them, like where nobody's going to really want to go inside on them or like even in transition defense, somebody's going to go get a chase down like, you know, your seven footers running the floor. Like yeah. that's why I was a huge proponent on them signing a guy like like Andre Drummond in the offseason. And mm-hmm. a lot of people are just kind of like when I said that kind of down yeah. on it, like, nah, that doesn't make any sense to throw any money at him, blah, blah, blah. But. As a backup in Philly with Joel Embiid out, he's had three 2020 games or three 20 plus rebound games. Like, yeah, to clog to a guy that can clog the paint in the middle would be perfect for this Hornets team on the defensive side of the ball. Like, that's what I think MJ needs to add the most so that a mellow ball can thrive. And obviously, having another rim runner from your center spot or your power forward spot, whatever it is, because I know they like to play small a lot with PJ at the four and five, and that's okay. Maybe you could do lineups that future that every now and then, but I think a yeah. dominant shot blocker would be would be the next step for MJ to add real a real legit chance for this team to compete down the road. Yeah, I think a lot of people get so caught up in you know the new small ball lifestyle of the NBA. It's like you forget yeah. how impactful a good big can really be for a team, and uh, you know the big doesn't even have to be like the best player. You know, like. Take a DeAndre Jordan back with the Clippers. Like, he's just run the floor, be there for the oops from Chris Paul. I mean, yep. that lob city in Charlotte, you got Bridges right there, get a nice center. And, you know, the, be, the, crazy thing, the crazy thing about that is DeAndre Jordan wasn't wasn't an all-star in, his, in one of those his best years. He was a one-time all-star with the Clippers. But he made an all-NBA first team. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know that. And he wasn't, like, a dominant scorer or, you know, a guy that can go out and get his own basket. But he knew his role. He was a rim runner, like you said, and catch lobs easy. And now I, I don't want to get too gassed up off, off the LaMelo ball hype, but he, he's a playmaker similar to how Chris Paul was that looks for his teammates yeah. first. So it's true. You have you have the right pieces, you have the right guys that can that can get the job done. But pieces right there. Just gotta put them together. Yeah. Uh Ashton, I appreciate you, man. Like, especially, you know kind of scrambling for guests to be honest with everyone here <laughs> uh, yeah, just yeah. to see what i could get going so i really appreciate you popping all of me man yeah man honored to be here bro yes sir another episode of high burst in the books man y'all keep keep watch stay tuned for next week when hopefully i can get a player on here i'm trying to shoot for james book night 
uh, when I've been talking to the PR team and just get another young guy in here. Also, I, I actually have some family history with him. But if he doesn't hop on next week, we can we can discuss that and I'll, I'll go into what I'm talking about. But another episode of High Burst in the books. Thanks again, Ashton. Uh, we are out here. All right.